0: Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season Two. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing?
1: A B C D.
0: <laughs> Is that funny? So each week I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together, we grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Hi friends, Ashley here. Today I am reconnecting and I just love it. I love that I get to do this. My guest today is someone I have toured the U.S. with and we haven't chatted in a minute so apologies for that, my dear Alyssa Alter. Oh, I'm so stoked about this. Alyssa Alter is also known as the Amy Polar of vaginas. Yes, that is right, friends. Because of her unfiltered determination to change the narrative around the female experience, integrating her electric background as a Broadway performer and personal trainer and coach, Alyssa's work guides you back home to yourself with a sense of curiosity, potential, and possibility. Alyssa's work lives at the intersection of physical fitness and emotional fitness, and we all need that. Alyssa is the author of Unstuck From Understudy to the Study of Your Undercarriage. Oh my gosh, I just love that you wrote that, Alyssa. She is the host of her own podcast, Alter Your Life and Myth of Motherhood. Her one-woman show, Me Party, hashtag I love my life, sold out performances in New York City at the historic Duplex Cabaret. I am just so ready to have her on the show. I, I already apologize in advance if this turns into a nine-hour podcast because she is a riot. She's an absolute hoot, and I am so honored to have her on the show. So let's dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy Chats alyssa Alter welcome to the busy mumsy podcast
1: oh Ashley I am thrilled to be here
0: <laughs> I am so thrilled that you are here because well you know what you you bring the fun you bring the magic and you bring the unapologetic truth which is what we're always in search of right
1: yeah I like oh it's like I can't tolerate none of that
0: I can't <laughs> yeah I can't, yeah, can't, I can't. like Yeah, you know, when things look really super shiny, I turn to you for words of wisdom, and and I know that you are going to be there to be like, no, actually, no, that is not how it is, and that's not how it goes, so let me just tell you the truth. So for the listeners, because I literally can go on tangents with Alyssa for hours on end, I have toured all over America with this fabulous woman. We've known each other for years and years and years. And I'm just a huge Alyssa Alter fan. And so I recently messaged and I was like, hey, I know you're moving, expecting a second child, but could you just shimmy <laughs> in an hour or two with me and like shoot the shit on my podcast? And she was like, yeah, sure, great. I totally have time.
1: Yeah, duh, always, at least once, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah of course. So so Alyssa, let's, let, let's talk about it. You just moved with a toddler mm-hmm. and you are expecting... So yeah. really, this should just turn into like a, a therapist session of how are you doing? <laughs> just bring oh, it. How are you doing?
1: I'm better now. So we moved like three weeks ago, and we did the thing where we paid the movers to pack for us.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Oh, that was that's really nice. That is really nice. Um, and if that is available to you, I highly recommend it. I remember the last time when my husband and I moved into that apartment that we just left. I was pregnant with Everett and we packed. And I said to him, I was like, I think that I should not have done that. I think that that was too much. The next time we move, we're going to have to hire someone to do that for us because most likely if we're moving again I will be pregnant again like I I like knew the future and so we did that that was thank god but even still I mean it was just exhausting and then we did have to unpack also exhausting and when we when we got to our house that we moved on a Friday and there had been some mix up with the internet set up. So they didn't connect it here. So we didn't have any internet and
0: our life, as we all know, life just completely stops when you don't have internet anymore.
1: Well, because it also meant like we have like Apple TV, so we had no television, and our cell phone reception isn't great in the house. Like we have AT and T, but people here use Verizon. Like Verizon is stronger, so we should probably switch. But it would be okay. It's okay when we have our Wi Fi. So, but basically, what I'm saying is that we could not utilize the support of screen time for our oh. three year old over the entire weekend to like help us get a break.
0: that alone you're still recovering from.
1: Oh my God. It was so exhausting. And I know that's like such a privileged thing to say, but like, damn, that was, I was so tired. And like, I have like, I'm still on medication for nausea with my pregnancy, like morning sickness, like that feeling is like throughout the whole thing. So I'm just like feeling like trash. Anyway, and then that, and then you know, my son started a new school, so it's like there's like just all transition after transition after transition, and I love childcare,
0: and I'm really <laughs> leaning on I do that. Too. I <laughs> do too, and 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 I don't consider my husband to be childcare whatsoever. I want the proper. I want them showing up in the morning or I'm taking my child there. Yeah. We're, yes. we're talking that childcare. care. Yes. Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah. I mean, and you know, I mean, you've been, you've now moved, but with the, you've traveled with Adia, which is like so incredible, big picture mm-hmm. in the moment, like that sucks.
0: <laughs> and- no, no, it does. No, it does. You know, I, I think you, you, you kind of just hold your breath and you just kind of see what happens. And you don't know where the penny will fall, but you only can hope that it it falls silently. <laughs> I
1: know. Well, and it's like you look at them and you're like, I'm going through this big transition too. And like, I'm having a hard time and I'm an adult. Like I've done lots of things like this before. Like I've gone through transitions. I have points of reference. I know that I will be okay. I know that it will end. These little monkeys don't even have that. Like they're just whole world changes and they have no context. And depending on how old they are, that's how much they can understand. And so it's our job to help them through that, which is really hard when you're like, I'm also freaking
0: out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that is the one thing about motherhood that no one can predict. Prepare you for is that, however you think it's going to be, however you think the plan, like you can write that bad boy down till you're blue in the face in your diary every night. This is how I want my story to be. This is how I want my birth story to be. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't go to plan. And I and I have to say, um, because the busy mumsy listener does not know this, I do, Alyssa. Your birth story didn't go to plan.
1: I was just going to say, I was like, as you were talking about the plan, I was like, and it starts from the beginning, like during pregnancy, Mm -hmm. you like make this birth plan and you're like, here's how I want it to go. And I, even still, I was like, I understand. I cannot control this. Like, here are my preferences. Like I would prefer things to go this way, but really my priority. And I said this to my doctor, I was like, really my priority is for me and my baby to both in good health, leave the hospital
0: together like that's ultimately my goal. Right. So so book came true. Right. So how did you handle it not going to plan when you went into the hospital for your first delivery for Everett?
1: In hindsight, I now know what was happening was I was in back labor because my son was sunny side up, which I also now know greatly increases your risk for more extensive tearing or lacerations, as they call them in the medical world. So my son was face up. I was in back labor. So I was in so much pain that I think maybe I got the epidural a little bit early, which then stalled things. And like that, there was sort of a cascade of effects. I, I think... I don't know. I was trying to birth a human. So I was like, you know, both present, but also not. Okay. Because there was like a human being trying to claw its way out of my body and my body was trying to help. But like, it's insane. And you know, I work as a pelvic health expert. Like I have worked with women with Pilates, with Pilates for your privates, like getting them ready for birth and successfully helping, you know, supporting them through that and their recovery. So I like knew a lot of things, but when you're in it, like you can't also be outside, you can't be your client at the same time. You are are not in charge you are no, not in charge you are not in charge which is super annoying when you're someone like us who's like pretty type A very successful we want to do something we do it and we do it well and then you can't do any of that when mm-hmm. it comes to labor um and i ended up with a fourth degree tear so my son did not just tear my vagina uh he also tore the entire perineal body which is all of the space between your vagina and your anus and up through my anal sphincter into my rectum. So
0: I—I I mean, honestly, please tell me you had. I came in like a wrecking ball. I like, <laughs> I mean, see, like, that is Everett's theme song. Like that is it. Uh, you
1: know the song that played in that plays in my head and has since that day. And it, yes, it will be in my one woman show, which I'm performing in the city in New York in February is uh, the Spice Girls hit when to become one because oh. that's what happened. Two holes became one. And it's like immediately that's what started playing in my head. But that's the came in like a wrecking ball also applies. And so does. Um, oh my gosh. Who sings it? Um, like you rock me like a hurricane. Oh. Like, I you know, coming into childbirth and then that shit rocked me like a, Freaking hurricane. It was, I mean, the experience was really traumatic. And I remember pieces and parts after that because I then threw up and passed out. I was hemorrhaging. I was in and out of consciousness. I don't, I had to have reconstructive surgery immediately. I don't know how long that took. I was out. I was here. I was throwing up. I was out. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. It was horrible. Um, and so, yeah, n- that was definitely not in my plan. Even in my loose, like, sort of no plan plan, I understand I can't control this. This was really something I did not see coming at all.
0: How did you recover from this?
1: Are physically or emotionally?
0: I, I mean, I'm sorry, but like, I. I, I'm pretty much like high fives to the human body and that it can kind of heal itself. And I'm a firm believer in that, but the mental yeah. side of it is like a whole other like universe yeah. that then you put a newborn baby on top of that. I honestly feel like there's a lot more work that needs to be done on the mental side than yeah. the physical side of, of yeah. this. I mean, well, I'm not a doctor, and you're the one that experienced it. So please, you're exactly
1: right. I mean, the physical recovery was, was long. And the worst part about the physical recovery for me was how scary it was because no, I could never get a straight answer because this doesn't happen all the time. Although, I think the data around it is incomplete because these like third and fourth degree tears go misdiagnosed a lot or unreported, um, I think, for a variety of reasons. And then in terms of research around recovery, like people don't care about women. So like we don't have a lot of information about our health in general, let alone these more uncommon things.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. How do you misdiagnose something like that when someone is in the middle of fucking labor and a child is coming out and they're like, hmm, I'm not quite sure if, if you know, the, that rip that all of a sudden happens up into her asshole is, I, I don't know. I don't, I, listen, I'm not a surgeon. I am, what
1: I am very glad is that my surgeon properly diagnosed and okay. very skillfully repaired everything that. According to stories I've heard from other people who have had this experience, I had a very smooth, straightforward recovery also because I understand the pelvic floor. I know I, you know, I was a professional dancer. Like I have this knowledge of my body that I really understood how not to push myself. I've recovered from injuries before. So I knew I had some information, but emotionally I was a disaster, An absolute disaster. And my postpartum anxiety went undiagnosed for a really long time because also four months, four months, five months after Everett was born, we went into lockdown. So I was sort of doing okay before that, in air quotes, okay. I mean, I was just yelling at my husband. My husband got the brunt of it, you know, like yelling at him. I was crying a lot. I was having a lot of, um, Flashbacks. I could have nightmares about the birth because it took even longer for my PTSD to be diagnosed. I was able to once I was like able to walk, like and be upright for a while, I could meet a friend for coffee. I could go to like the the postpartum yoga class that was very gentle where I could bring my baby and utilize those sort of community supports that we know help support our mental health. So I was able to do that. But then once once lockdown happened and we lost that, and that, I mean, that stress of, for me, I was like, I didn't understand why other people weren't completely freaking out when it was dangerous to breathe.
0: I was like, do you not- remember you sharing that. Like you, you were genuinely hand on heart freaking out.
1: Yeah. Like, no, like I, I, I lost my mind and that it was, and it was during that, like at one point I looked at my husband, I was like, this is too much, isn't it? This is like, this makes sense to me, but I'm now starting to see like, I'm this, this is too much. And that's when then I started working with I went back to therapy and I also started working with a psychiatrist and I went on medication because I needed medication. And I was, I have an old podcast episode about this called There's No Bath Bomb for Anxiety on my first podcast, Myth of Motherhood, where like I was doing, we were in lockdown at that point, but I was like taking two yoga classes a day. I was journaling. I was taking baths. I was doing the masks. I was doing all of the (laughs) self-care things but that didn't change that I would wake up sweating every night having flashbacks to like midwives on top of me trying to shove my son out
0: you're not that like person who needs like vanity like oh the handbag will make me feel better the mask will make me feel better you're 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 not that girl
1: so all of those things yeah like it didn't it wasn't enough
0: but it wasn't enough. Like you are such a headstrong, like at the forefront, like a leader. Like wants to make sure everyone's happy and like, yeah. You you just you needed to to work on you and you thought, ah, oh, I just I yeah. wish I lived next door to you and I could just see you every day. <laughs> I, me
1: too. Me because- too. And it was really hard because I also a few times would say to people like, I'm not okay but everyone's yeah. so used to me being okay they're like but you'll be fine or i got a lot of that everyone feels that way you forget and i was like no i don't i'm not okay i need help and they're like You're everyone fine. feels like that after you have a baby and i'm like i don't know what other words to say to you
0: yeah yeah help me
1: like don't just dismiss this even if and if every single person who gives birth to a baby is afterwards like i'm not okay help me and we're just saying you'll forget that's a problem
0: That is a problem. It's a massive problem. And for any busy mumsy listener that is expecting, this isn't here to scare you. This is to educate you, obviously, to let you know that like there are always, you know, there's two sides to a story, right? And. They're they're not always pretty and they're not always filtered and you know Instagram ready to put on the grid, if you will.
1: (laughs) They're not all grid worthy. (laughs) They're,
0: They're not all grid worthy. That that is it. And that and that is what the parenting journey is about, right? It it is not all grid worthy. It is, my God, I need to take that a few freaking different times and flip it and try it again and try it again. And Alyssa, how are you now? handling expecting baby two and i'm sorry and again i'm not a doctor and i have not seen you in physically like in front of me to give you a hug or anything in way too long so i'm i'm taking the 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 real the the reins if you will by looking at you via (laughs) this recording link and being like how are you kind of gearing up for baby two now when I'm sorry. That was just a blip ago that, 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 yeah. is trauma that you know, you're going to have for quite some time. How do you now get yourself ready for baby two and also for Everett to welcome baby two and for your husband now to have, you know, another one in, in, in the clan. Yeah. Well, you know, of course it sits on you, right? Because, you know, you're female and, well, it always sits on us.
1: <laughs> and, like, it's literally, like, like this baby's, like, liter- literally in my body. It's going to come out of my body. Like, again, a lot of it does just sort of fall on me as a birthing. it does. you
0: are the vessel, Woman. honey. Yes.
1: Yes. And I love what you said. Like, this isn't here to scare you. Like, this is more... That, like, you don't have to settle for, like, you... Yes, no, becoming a mother means you will be miserable. No. Maybe at times. But because of the challenges that are put on us as women,
0: because of... I'm going to interject and just say, if I could just tell you about two days ago.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, this this is a recurrent theme. But it's also more reflective of the fact that, like, we aren't considered and so... And this leads into how I have gotten ready to have another baby and moving into that is that like I refused – to settle for that bullshit that has been fed to me that I no longer matter, that as long as my kid is happy, as long as my kid is happy, that's all that matters. I call bullshit. It matters if I'm okay. It matters how I feel. It matters if I'm getting enough sleep. And if I'm not, someone else has to tap in sometimes so that I can. It matters that I eat a full meal and not just the leftovers from my toddler toddler's plate. It matters that I'm happy happy I matter in this equation so it doesn't necessarily have to mean on my to-do list I'm number one and everybody else fend for yourself sometimes but not all the time because like that's not the like Everett doesn't care that much he loves me that's my Everett's my three-year-old but like you know he is number one I'm on the list though I am not off the list I am on the list and I actually had always dreamed of having our kids closer together. My son turned three in the fall of 2022. And when it was around his second birthday, that's when I just always in my head had been like, I'd been, I want to start getting pregnant then. Like, you know, I'm no as I may not look it, but um, I'm no spring chicken. And you know, Girl, and, it, you. and it I knew that's what I wanted. Yeah. And at around his, sec- his second birthday, his first birthday, I spent the entire day like really triggered from PTSD. I didn't really celebrate, feel like I could celebrate. I was so happy for him and with him but I struggled. I was like, this is also the anniversary of like kind of the worst day of my life and the best day of my life. And that's confusing and exhausting. And I was like, I don't know, like, will I always feel like this? And then his second birthday, I felt better, but I still, the idea of being pregnant again, brought back flashbacks. I've been in therapy this whole time, which has really been like, I've, trauma I have to work through. And I was like, I can't get pregnant until, I can't even think about being pregnant until I can handle the thought of being pregnant. And then if I am pregnant, I will need to birth another human. Like I will have to birth that baby again. And through therapy, I also realized, and I am someone like I really believe this. It's like a tagline of mine. I I fully believe this, that there's no one right way to do any of this. There's only your right way. There is no one right way to birth a baby. There's no one right way to get pregnant with a baby. There's no one right way to bring a baby into your house or feed that baby or teach them how to sleep or do any of this shit. We're all figuring it out and we have to figure out what our best way is.
0: And I I did not read any of those books and by golly, did I get a whole like huge load of those books and they just collected dust.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's insane the pressure that's put on us. And I realized that I had this thought in my head that the way that I would prove that I had transcended my trauma that I'd really healed was through like a redemptive, is that a word? Like a redemption vaginal birth. And I am not available for a vaginal birth. I I do I not need be, to
0: be re-traumatized. I don't want you to be available for a vaginal birth. No, Alyssa.
1: also, like I'm thinking about what about 70-year-old Alyssa? She wants to, she would like to feel the urge to poop and be able to calmly make her way to the bathroom, poop when she's ready, only out of her anus and not also out of her vagina. Um, like there, there are implications to like re injuring muscles and there are people who have the injury that I had that do have vaginal births and that is their right choice. I support you for me. It is too risky for my physical health and mentally and emotionally. It is, you don't treat PTSD by sending you back into the, Mm -hmm. like into the, into battle. Like the most healthy thing for me to do is I am going to have a C-section. And when I really worked through this sort of internalized, really conditioning from society that like, uh, cause I was like, but I don't believe that a vaginal birth is the right way to do it. So why am I putting pressure on myself that that's the only way I can prove I'm healed. And I really reconciled those two things coexisting that I'm getting certain messaging, but that's not mine. Right. That I was able to be like, Oh, wait a minute have a C-section. And then I started getting excited, which listen, it's abdominal surgery. I'm not naive. It will be different and it will be better than what I experienced because it is not going to be the same thing that I, like it, that is the right choice for me. And then I was able to start talking to my husband and being like, I think I'm ready.
0: So with an elective C-section, do you find that there's a bit of like, mm, a bit of judgment, like, oh, too posh to push, huh? Like, <laughs> I wish someone said that to me. <laughs> like like a little bit like, like the stigma around it. Like, do you find that through the therapy that you're going through and you're like, okay, fine, I'm going to have a cesarean. But like, then do you feel like now you're less of a mom because you are having a cesarean? Because I have through my, you know, nearing three years of being a mom and hearing more birth stories and whatnot, (laughs) I do come across a lot of, a lot of women that kind of go, oh yeah, well, I mean, it was an emergency because, you know, I, I, you know, I did really try. And it was like, you still have a badge of honor, like on your chest, mate, because you carried someone within your body. You grew another organ, your organ shifted clear up into your like freaking jawline, like uh, seriously yeah like
1: i i was very blown away when i first i released um i was getting a lot of questions from people when i announced that i was pregnant that i will say because i've been so outspoken about like there's no one right way you don't get to tell me what to do with my body i don't get to tell you what to do with your body i also mm-hmm. like teach people and coach people where they basically want me to tell them what to do. And I still am like, I can't tell you what to do. We can talk about this, but it is you, it has to be your, it's yours. This is your decision. And I want you to have your best decision. What I would do with my body doesn't matter. I will tell you about my thought process, but like, so I felt was really touched with people who reached out and were like, how are you feeling? And like, if you don't mind my asking, like how, like, how's your butthole? Because <laughs> how's your butthole feel about this? And it's I did this mini episode about how like I worked through it and like I am not available for a vaginal birth. Like this, if this baby tries, like jokes on him, like I'm gonna go to the hospital and you're coming out the front door. So I haven't, I think because most of the people that are in my sphere, have heard my story and know a little bit about this, I haven't encountered as much. However, I have still encountered it with people where I think, well, what happens is because I am so confident and comfortable that this is my right decision that people then try to um, it feels like they try to scare me so that I am not too confident, but I don't, but I don't think any mom is actually trying to scare another mom. I think she is trying to protect me, but doesn't know, like she doesn't know her audience, which is fine. But like, they'll be like, you know, it's an abdominal surgery. It's no walk in the park. It really hurts. You might want to think about it. And, and I responded with, I was like, I am not trying to diminish the extent of of a cesarean. It is an it's an elective abdominal surgery sometimes elective, not always elective. It is an abdominal surgery. It is a big freaking deal. And you also have no idea what it's like to have stitches in your asshole and be expected to take care of a newborn and no one give a fuck about the fact that you're saying I'm not okay. I'm scared. And they dismiss you. Whereas with a cesarean, there is a protocol of what happens afterwards. There's a day by day expect you what you can expect of your experience. There are thousands of women, millions of women, so many people who've had cesareans who can tell you almost the same story in terms of their recovery. There is data around it, there is people people take it seriously and don't expect you to sit up and stand up and do things and entertain them because you're being dramatic. There is an, there is just like a system around it. And it, I hope that that speaks to how unsafe my first experience was Mm -hmm. that I am looking forward to this other shitty
0: experience. (laughs) It really is, Alyssa. You know what? Speaking of shit, I ended up having to walk a lot sooner after my cesarean because I had such a bad reaction to all the medication they put me on that I was shitting left, right, and center that they had to quarantine me. And this was just before like, we found out that there was a thing called COVID and all of that because I had Adia on February 20th. Oh and literally, God. like... They're like, well, we're going to put Adia in the room with you and you're just going to, you can press the button and we'll help you out of bed. But I could barely get out of bed. So I was just like shitting everywhere, just everywhere. Mm-hmm. And my daughter was right there by the bed because they were at, at one point, they were like, well, maybe you have like a virus. So we, we don't want to put her in the other room in the nursery. So we're going to keep her with you. And I was like, this is not
1: humiliating. No, but it's also like, we can joke about this now. I had a,
0: yeah.
1: a, I had a similar experience. There's a medication. Maybe you got this medication too, that, um, helps your blood clot. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah.
1: And I had to have that. And then I had the same, they were like, this has a laxative effect. And when they told me that I was like, cool. So my first poop postpartum, maybe you'll be like a little less scary that what they didn't what they didn't really communicate was that the fact that I'd had an epidural, I couldn't really feel anything that was happening. And so I'd be notifying them that I was sitting in a pool of. Poop. Diarrhea. And just. Constant. Constant. And just like buzzing and being like, I'm sorry. Like she'd like finish cleaning me up. And I'd be like, I think I'm
0: pooping.
1: I'm pooping. I think. Mm -hmm. And not because I could feel it happening. It's like, I could feel it on my skin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: horrible. And it's. It's humiliating. Like I can we can joke about it now, but like in
0: that moment, I'm like, "Are you?" What again for the for the busy mom who listener this this is actually the grid worthy stuff. Like this is like let's go back to it. Like this is the stuff that like doesn't like make you, but it it humanizes the situation, and it's not it's it's not all bells and whistles. And um, so if I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah. And like with that, it's, it's also like none of this. And like, listen, I had a straight up like one end of the spectrum across the board, very traumatic experience. My experience happens to, I think, I think they say between one and 3% of people, like it's really not that common. And there is so much that like you can't be prepared for but there are things that like you can have a heads up that like if you could have an, a vaginal birth, an unmedicated vaginal birth with no tearing, but still lose a lot of blood and get this medication and shit yourself. Okay. Just a heads up. That's something that happens with this medication. They're going to give you a lovely euphemism for it. You're going to be sitting in a pile of shit and then they'll clean it up. The nurses will be lovely about it. Thank God. But yep. all of these things are part of it. And- Right. Again, I had this, like, I've been in therapy for years. Like I've been medicated. I am diagnosed with PTSD. Like it's a big fucking deal for me. It never once affected how much I loved my son and looking at him and thinking it was magical. I did cry a lot and actually getting pregnant again, brought some of this up again in a really interesting way. Oh, so do it again because Where? you are again. I mean, yeah, you get to that point. And I, even whenever it was an infant, there were times when I cried that I wanted to be able to enjoy this more, that I hated that I was, my physical body was so not okay that I felt there were things I wanted to do with him that I couldn't do because of it. And I grieved that. Like, I hate that I can't, be fully in the magic that I'm also in this other thing, Mm -hmm. but it never affected how excited I was with him. And like, speaking of grid worthy, like you can go back on my Instagram and I'm making jokes about how many accessories I had to go to the bathroom, celebrating walking down the block and the whole time, like making Everett do choreography with his little infant body because he didn't have control over his muscles. And I did like, like, all of that was still there, but I, that also when like through the first trimester, like whew, hormones ban, um, I like in my excitement of things that I will get to do with this baby, I once again cried about not having had that with Everett because I wasn't okay physically and you know, the emotional stuff too. But then COVID happened. So all of like, there were no mommy and me classes or you could do mommy and me classes virtually, which thank God we have technology, but it's not the same as what I'll get this time. And so those things yeah. like-
0: Yeah, because I, I wanted to ask you about the expectation because now going in to now having baby number two and welcoming, welcoming them in, it's like the expectations that we put on ourselves for baby one and- yeah. a, First time mom and a first time family is so heightened and, you know, not to discredit what you went through, but put that to the side, all the other expectations and the things to do are there right now, now that you have another one on the way, what do you want to hold on to, to bring in the the new baby into life? Like, what do you want to keep? Of those expectations that you definitely want to like keep on, stay strong with? And then what do you want to eliminate? Like what is like that did not serve me my first go and we are not holding on to that bullshit right now?
1: I am so, again, like the overarching theme is that there, I mean, I can't say it's impossible. There's no way, um, but there's really next to no way that this won't be better than last time. I, and I say that to my, to Jeremy, my husband as well, like it will not be as bad as last time because we're going to have like a postpartum doula. We might have a night nurse right at the beginning because I will be recovering from abdominal surgery. And I know that going into it. So I can set myself up to have the support to also take into consideration my recovery. Right. And to keep that high on the list, especially at the at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And even with like, again, the sleepless nights and all of the things. And listen, we're going to be bringing in a second kid. We This is going to affect Everett. We're going to have way more to navigate. It is not going to be as bad as last time. So that's really exciting. <laughs> it just won't be that bad. But I will say, I mean... All of those expectations, like the first time in bringing the baby home, kind of got shot to shit for me because because of my birth injury. So people wanted to – well, I actually, before I gave birth to Everett, we emailed our families. And we're like, we know everybody is so excited. We are so excited. We have no idea how this is gonna go. We don't know what Alyssa's recovery is like. And we're we just wanna let you know that for the first three weeks, we're probably not gonna have visitors. We wanna take that time for us to spend time together as a family. And we will let you know when we are ready for visitors. So we were already tempered people's expectations. And then they were kind of chomping at the bit at three weeks. And I think we pushed it a little further. And I said to Jeremy, I was like, listen, I understand we're disappointing our family. I can't care about that right now. I can't. Like, I was pushed so far that like anyone else's, like their feelings, I straight up was like, I I actually don't care about your feelings right now. I can't. I can't like there's a baby here and I'm a wreck and that's a hundred percent right there. Even Jeremy, I was like, I love you. And I want to care about your feelings. I don't
0: right now. That is such a strong move that a lot of people would never, never even take that step, Alyssa. Like that is some it, wisdom there.
1: And so I'm bringing that in this time. Like, again, like I'm not looking to hurt of uh, anyone. Right. Of Most importantly, myself most importantly my family which is me and my husband and my child and then this child every and that's a transition that happens during when you become a when you like become the parent that we don't talk about enough and it and we all experience it in our own ways which it varies all the time because like every family is different but your family they like that your immediate family is now like your partner and your baby and everyone else is a relative. And it's a really hard dynamic shift. I found I find it to be way more uh, complicated and like drastic than the shift that happens when you get married. Okay. It just, it creates this different boundary. It's confusing for everyone. And like you said, like I am very upfront. So I just like lay it out. I'm like, here are my expectations. Here are the needs that I need to be met and that are not really up for discussion, which could sound like I'm a major bitch. And maybe some people think I am, but I'm not a monster with what these things are. I'm very honest about
0: what what they they are. It's about what, but what you need and what's right for your family. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Especially during these, like it and it's not like the immediate postpartum period, but any period of like immediate and like intense transition. Right? Like here's what's gonna work for us and here's what isn't. I don't expect that to make you happy or to work for you, and I get it. Therefore, sit this one out. But this is how it's working here, right now, and I'll let you know when that
0: changes. I love it. I think- agree. <laughs> I freaking, love it. I freaking love it. Pass the torch, Alyssa Alter. Pass the torch to that expecting busy mumsy. Um, yes. <laughs> this li- listen, busy mumsy. No, Listener, I, you I have full more. permission. You give it. I, I, I want you to pass the torch to that busy mumsy that is expecting and is a little nervous and doesn't quite know, d- d- doesn't have that headstrong voice yet of what yes. they want and what they can do. What would be your number one advice to give? Remember, we're we're not doctors here. We're just giving I'm a doctor of
1: literally nothing.
0: Where I'm a doctor of nothing as well. I am a mom. I love my mom jeans. I love all things about the <laughs> M O M word. Thank you very much. But what is it that you would love to share to pass on to someone who is expecting?
1: Well, I there really is. It, it, these go together these become one when two become will- one <laughs> in comedy that's called a callback
0: <laughs> they're yeah, I'm really gonna fly in. I'm gonna fly in for your comedy night and I'm going to be on the wait yes. wasn't it like it's perfect or something and she comes in on a wrecking ball
1: oh my god yes did I do
0: that yes Yes,
1: <laughs> February 16th. You're invited.
0: Ap- Apologies. <laughs> okay, back to your words of wisdom Pass the tour my Alyssa altar to the expecting busy mumsy.
1: There really is no one right way. There is only your right way. And if you find yourself being like, but I don't know what my right way is. I don't know what I need right now. You say that. You say, I don't know yet. I am figuring that out and I will let you know, which also sets an expectation with whatever family member, friend, you know, whoever this is that for them to not make those decisions for you or make those assumptions for you so that they then it gives them the information to even ask before they do something. Or if they have an idea, say, would it be helpful for me to do whatever. And then you can say yes or no. And even just laying it out there that like, I am a part of this. This is also about me is a statement of like, we don't all get to forget that I'm part of this. And, and, you know, I mean, I just, my mind goes to like your mom and mother-in-law because it's just like so stereotypical, but I feel like it's also they then do for you what was done for them, which sometimes and depending on your family and your culture is exactly what you want. And other times you're like, that is so inaccurate and the number one worst thing and you're actively making this worse for me. And I don't want to say something because I'm going to hurt you and it gets really complicated is just start inserting yourself in the conversation now. It's not all about the baby. It is all about you because also at the beginning, your baby doesn't need to be held by anyone else. They don't want to be. They need a happy, okay, fed, rest, I'm using air quotes, rested mom. They need whatever you need. That is the most important thing. So this whole like idea that we don't matter, like that we like s- completely self-sacrifice and self-abandon post-partum or, any, postpartum or any other time in your life is crap and we're getting rid of it. Add yourself to the list. <laughs> Add yourself to the list. There
0: it is. <laughs> there you go. At, the top, at the top of the list there, love. <laughs> Alyssa, okay. <laughs> love you. I am so thrilled that you f- have joined me on the Busy Mumsie Pod podcast. I can't even talk now. I, my jaw <laughs> hurts from laughing and smiling and literally having the best chat ever with you. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love you. I love all the Busy Mumsies. I love everything that you have created and continue to create. Ashley, you're a constant source of inspiration and affirmation and validation and i just love
0: you we got this (laughs) we got this (laughs) oh my god you're such a you're such a dreamboat my gosh thank you thank you thank you a million times over thanks so much for listening to this week's show did you like it adia yes oh the enthusiasm i love it please share your love by giving us a five-star rating a rockin review and please share with any fellow busy mumsies We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye bye, Adia? Bye bye, Adia.